The Love Your Diagnosis podcast is a monthly look into the life of someone who has been diagnosed with a condition or illness. The interviews find a flow and dialogue around the choices and changes people start to make in their lives when they learn that they have to live with dis-ease, which may have been partially brought about by their life choices. A diagnosis can be seen as a gift if you look at it as a second chance to get to know and treat yourself in a more loving way. I get raw and intimate and draw out some morsels of gold from people's journeys of what made them determined to get back in the driver's seat of their health instead of following only doctor's orders. If you want to listen to all kinds of success stories from people, join me at laneychait.com.au. the Love Your Diagnosis podcast. I'm Lainey, your host for this eve and every other eve, day and afternoon. Today I've got Amy Bemmer on talking about MS, which is an autoimmune disease. I've done a few of these. Everyone is really different though. That's why I like to do as many as I can because as anyone with MS would know, each case is different and everybody deals with it in a different way. So Amy Be- Amy is a multiple sclerosis warrior. She uses her first-hand experience, education and training to help others shift from managing their autoimmune z- diseases to creating autoimmune health using the thing that she credits for helping her a lot, which is loving her diagnosis. She's coach. She's a coach. She's also a doctor of pharmacy, but she's also a certified health coach. And our talks are really interesting because she needs, you know, we talk about how she finds the synergy between functional and conventional medicine when it comes to something as, you know, something like this, MS, multiple sclerosis, where there really is no cure. So we take you on a journey from when her diagnosis happened to now when she's, you know, become a certified health coach and and absolutely helping others. All the links will be in the podcast to where to get and find her. But for now, strap in because we're going to talk more with Amy. Yes, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2012, and it is a gift that stays with me today. And how old were you in 2012? I was 27 when I was diagnosed. That automatically makes me go, wow, uh, we all thought, or I thought, that MS was uh, something that older people got. And here you are saying at 27, you got diagnosed with it. Um, that's quite unusual for younger people to be diagnosed, or isn't it? The, the main age is somewhere in the 20 to 40 range. So I, I fit the bill um, in terms of usual age, but there are some a lot younger and there are some people diagnosed quite a bit later. My mother-in-law, for example, was diagnosed in her 50s. So, so there is a range. Okay. So you were 27. What was leading up to that point, but just before diagnosis where you started to 
um, realize that you've got symptoms that were different to other people your age? Sure, sure. I'm going to back up a little bit with um, multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease. And if anybody um, is familiar, um, there are 80 to 100, some guess even 120 autoimmune diseases, and that number is rising. Um, and so the first autoimmune disease I was diagnosed with, I was actually 17, and it was vitiligo, which is a skin condition. Um, and shortly after that, I went to school, I was in pharmacy school, and I started to learn more about autoimmune diseases. And one of the things about them is that they tend to cluster. And so if you get one, then oftentimes you're diagnosed with another one. And so starting in my early 20s um, with this one diagnosis of vitiligo, I, my brain started going and started worrying and started um, offering me a lot of fearful thoughts of, well, I have this one, so what else is coming? Um, and sure enough, in my mid-20s, I got a second diagnosis, and it was actually um, Graves' thyroid disease. So not the, um, not the one that we're here to talk about yet, but um, a second autoimmune diagnosis. And then uh, a couple years later, I was um, started seeing symptoms when I was running. I started seeing foot drop when I was running. And when I would be done running, I would start, uh, it would take longer and longer for the foot drop to resolve. And so I, I knew something wasn't right. And again, I was worried about yet another autoimmune disease. Um, the interesting thing was I went to many doctors. I went to an orthopedist. I went to a neurologist. And I kind of let them know about my hunch that this, this felt like multiple sclerosis with a couple other things going on and really uh, got some pushback that it, this didn't look like multiple sclerosis and they just didn't feel that's what it was. Um, and the interesting story that I give is at that time when you're looking for, okay, how do I calm my mind? How do I... Um, live with this, what seemed to be an anxiety that was going to stick with me. Um, I made an appointment for my first uh, session of with a therapist. And the, for the reason given, I wrote hypochondria. You know, I wrote, I feel there could be something going on with me. There, there doesn't seem to be anything actually going on with me beyond some of these um, earlier things. So the day that I had my first appointment, I actually ended up getting the results of an MRI that was eventually ordered and a spinal tap that was ordered. And it turns out it was multiple sclerosis. Well done you on understanding yourself, firstly. With all these different autoimmune diseases, so when they when they keep diagnosing you with with one, does that mean you've been cured of another or does it just, or it's morphed into something else? or you just have the whole lot of them. So do you still have Graves and do you still have vitiligo? That's actually, that's a great question. Typically, you know, the word cure isn't used too often. I will say that the vitiligo stays, it hasn't spread anymore. So a lot of the things that I may touch on here and a lot of the work I do in terms of controlling our environment and using lifestyle to um, help tame an overactive immune system. The vitiligo has stopped spreading. The Graves disease, there are some markers in our blood that we are able to measure what autoimmune activity is going on. Those have reversed, and I am not on any medication for that. So I like to say that that one is taken care of as well. 
you know, to add in a third one, there also was some question of some autoimmunity related to my gut. Um, and that also is, has, there is no evidence in my body of. So I do like to say at some point in my 38 years, I have received four diagnoses and multiple sclerosis is the only one that I actively um, am showing any evidence for in my body or uh, struggle with any symptoms with. Well, I'll use that comment to then investigate a little bit further about what are the symptoms of MS? What were the initial ones and what are they now? Sure. So multiple sclerosis, they say if uh, you've met 30 people with multiple sclerosis, you've met 30 people with multiple sclerosis. So everybody is um, has a different story. There are definitely ties that bind us. But for me, it started, like I said, with the foot drop, which is a tough time picking up the, your foot when you're when you're taking a step. So it can lead you to be a little bit unsteady. It can lead to some um, tripping um, and also just an overall right-sided weakness. So that's most likely indicative of where the lesions in my brain and spinal cord are, that it ends up that my symptoms are on the right side of my body, a little bit of upper body right-sided weakness at times. Um, and it does, it ebbs and flows. Is that because the neural pathways to the foot or the nerves are being attacked. The messages aren't being sent to your foot to lift it up because MS is attacking those nerves. Is that how it works? Pretty, pretty good description. What happens is my body seems to think that the lining of my nerves, uh, which is called the myelin, it seems to think that it's a, a foreign invader. So it will attack is, is a commonly used verb when they're talking about it. So it will attack that and erode away at the, um, the myelin, which insulates the nerve. And it's kind of like an electrical circuit. Oh. You know, if, if there are patches that are missing from that sheath, then the signal that's getting sent out is a bit wonky. So is that the case with all immune diseases? That the my Does it start with the myelin? sheaths in all autoimmune diseases or is this is particularly in MS? Good question. That, that's just with MS. So the commonality of autoimmune diseases is something is triggering our bodies to tell us that we have some foreign invaders and that we need to be protected. Um, but that tissue is different depending on where the autoimmune disease is. So in the thyroid, it's, it's thyroid tissue that's being attacked. In inflammatory bowel disease or Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, it's actually the gastrointestinal tissue that's being attacked. Joint tissue and arthritis, it really can touch any area of our body. When you were diagnosed, did you know exactly what they were talking about? Because when I did my research about you, it, you are uh, actually a doctor of pharmacy. Were you already a doctor at that age or were you still studying? I was, I had been out practicing for a few years. And so I was quite familiar with autoimmunity and with the disease as well. And that could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. So I did find that sometimes the the knowledge could be a little bit overwhelming and I think was adding to a little bit of the fear of uncertainty that was coming along, but it definitely did help in some ways as well, because I was able to have those discussions with my physicians about what, you know, therapies to try and, you know, really advocate for myself from the beginning. That's amazing because a lot of people just go into fear and shock because they have no idea. 
and just kind of hand the reins over. So it's fantastic that you had that background. It's probably a good reminder that you say that, that even with knowledge or education, that fear and shock still exists because we do share human brain. All the, the education in the world, unfortunately, can't override the, the primal instinct to be a little uncomfortable with uncertainty, for sure. So what were some of the other symptoms you're experiencing? You said foot drop. And what were some of the other initial symptoms at the time of diagnosis? You know, it would present itself in my gait um, at times. Some uh, bladder bowel issues always uh, sneak in for people with MS because those are innervated by the um, nervous system. Can you be a bit more specific for people that maybe don't understand? Absolutely. Um, A common thing is with uh, bowel-wise is constipation. So sometimes the nervous system can be a little bit broken on its way there. Bladder-wise, a lot of urgency sometimes it would... um, Sometimes even even to this day, you know, urgency and trouble. Holding it. <laughs> yeah. Or I would say ur- urgency. Yeah, sounds funny. Yeah. Urgency sounds very, very proper. Were you relieved when they gave you the diagnosis because you had an answer? What were you going through when, when they told you? Asking that question is, I haven't thought of this memory in over 10 years, but Prior to the diagnosis, I was very, you know, crippled with fear. So I was not really engaging in life. I was very worried. I was spiraling some. And I got diagnosed. It's funny that you mentioned that because that weekend after I was diagnosed was the first weekend I kind of got back into life without realizing it. Yes, I, I almost did feel a relief from finally having an answer. And then what was the prognosis from that initial diagnosis where you, like all of us, felt the fear and the shock and because we're going to get into all the amazing stuff that you've done since then. You know, what What you hear is it's a progressive neurodegenerative disease and, and for the most part that's true. So at that time, that's what I heard, what I read. You know, some people can have uh, what they call a relapse and, you know, it can get bad and you can have symptoms and then you can recover and go back to baseline. Some people, a smaller percentage have more of a progressive picture where you may not get these relapses of being taken down by symptoms, but it's more of a steady march over time. Sometimes it's tough to to determine which, which type of multiple sclerosis you have. And now with medications, uh, that can kind of cloud the picture a bit. But the prognosis overall is it's a chronic progressive neurodegenerative disease. I think without any other information coming in, my mind filled in the blanks with a lot of that textbook. This is what you learn. This is a typical course. With the release of medications over the past 10 and 20 years, there is a lot less disability and people of my parents' generation always pictured somebody in a wheelchair or on a walker or having trouble ambulating. So that picture definitely um, stayed in my mind as well. And even to this day, if if I'm really honest, when I work with people who also have multiple sclerosis and we really get to their why, and when I ask myself, what's my why in terms of why I put so much effort into 
my wellness and into my autoimmune health, my why goes back to mobility and truly it's a deep seated why that I want to stay independent. Amazingly fascinating. And because you're a doctor of pharmacy, but you're also a functional, a functional medicine coach, functional or certified health coach, actually, how much after the pharmacy studies did that come? So that I started getting into when I started to look at what was I going to do to help heal myself and to help kind of take the reins on my health. Disease modifying medications is what they're called. I started those pretty soon after diagnosis, knowing that there was good research to, to stop progression of disease. And so that's a pharmaceutical drug? Exactly. And it's designed to do what? It's designed to inhibit parts of our immune system that are attacking so that are attacking the, the good cells and the myelin. Uh, there's been a couple I've been on that work a little bit different, but the commonality is they work on our immune system to try to calm down that overreaction that's going on. Did that work for you? You know, it, it works in terms of hopefully stopping progression. So there has been progression over the almost 11 years that I've been diagnosed, but likely at a lower speed. So it's tough. A lot of, a lot of people want to know, is this working? Is it, and it's really, it's hard, hard to know when it comes to that. I do, you know, look at the science and see what happens in, in these big trials with people with multiple sclerosis. And, you know, some people choose not to take medications because there can be some side effects. As with everybody, I encourage everybody to weigh the benefits and the risks and really make a decision. And for me, when I look at the risks of the disease progressing and what that looks like, um, the benefit has always outweighed that. So you've been on them for the 11 years since diagnosis? Or it's been 11 since the diagnosis. I've been on them for 10 and a, a few different ones. So you did have to experiment a bit to get the right, the right one? I did. I was on a newer medication and we were about a year or two in and it kind of felt like I was, my symptoms were going at a rate that was a little bit faster than we would have liked. So we swapped to another one. I ended up having a blood marker that made it not safe to be on that one. So swapped one more time and ended up again, feeling a little bit more progression. Um, and so ended up on a fourth medicine that I've now been on for four years. And this kind of goes in line with some of the other stuff that I started doing because it wasn't until several years into the diagnosis that I really took a hold of the lifestyle piece and the functional medicine piece. And that lines up well with the slowing of the progression and or the ability to stay on the medication that I'm on. What led you to then look into it more and want to prevent it, get it, it progressing in other ways? It started with the feeling that I wasn't eating in a way that was fueling my body. I soon after found a TED talk by a practicing physician named Dr. Terry Walls, who was using functional medicine approaches to treat her own multiple sclerosis. And she had really life-changing uh, reversal of a, many of her symptoms. And the thing that spoke to me so much as I learned about her and her story was she was a scientist, she was a practicing physician, and she was 
making changes in a very systemic, scientific way. And all the changes were things that would be good for every single body. So I always say these things are good for everybody and everybody. Multiple sclerosis, autoimmune disease or not, you know, it just makes good sense if you're eating a nutrient-dense diet, if you're moving your body, if you're working on your mindset, if you are doing these things to help our bodies live in this modern world that really has a lot of toxicity and really has a lot of toxins coming at us in in all directions. And so finding her was was my gateway into the world of functional medicine. Uh, And then once I started feeling the difference, there really was no looking back. Great. And your stance now is that you come from a position of assisting people with autoimmune diseases, but teaching them specifically about diet, lifestyle, habits, things like that. What you find is there's really not a lack of information out there in terms of the diets people want to be eating or that they want to be moving more or people know the things that they want to do. The biggest hurdle that people have is actually getting the motivation to do it or actually figuring out how to make the changes they most want to make. And so that's the neat part about being a coach is that it's taking off the expert hat. It's taking off that I know what you should be doing and instead asking the right questions and giving the support needed and information along the way, absolutely. But for the most part, it's helping people understand themselves and understand what's blocking them from making the changes they most want to make. That's really where the gap is. What were some of the really harsh changes that you had to make in order to assist this medication that you're on doing the job of prevention? So absolutely, um, diet changes. You know, it's it's really moving towards nutrient-dense foods. So whole foods when possible, unprocessed foods, no gluten and no dairy. There, you know, there is a good bit of scientific evidence that those can be triggering for multiple sclerosis and other autoimmune diseases. Absolutely, there is a movement piece of it. Uh, rest and relaxation is is a piece of it. You know, the food stuff, it was a bit of a hurdle, but for the most part, um, you know, I was able to make those changes and not struggle with it too much. For me, it was really a piece that is also a part of this holistic health of mindset, realizing how much my fear and my spinning of anxious thoughts and negativity was leading to actual physical changes in my health that were potentially preventing me from healing. You know, it's amazing, Amy. I I mean, I've spoken to not heaps and heaps and heaps of people. It seems that the common thing of what people have to change is exactly what you just said, but for a plethora of different conditions diet, gluten, dairy, rest, take away stress. And yet in everyone it displays as something different. I just find it really fascinating. Well, I think it's such good news. It's what it means is the, the human body we share, we share a human body and it's not a mystery when we really look at what it's asking for, you know, it's asking for the same things in all of us. And so it's interesting you say that because, and that's more proof that the information is out there. Sometimes not, the first step is not finding the right diet or the magic anything. 
the first step is figuring out how to, to start doing the things you actually want to do, because there's usually that first hurdle of, I want to make a change to my lifestyle, but there's all these barriers getting in my way. And that's really where, where we start. So here's a question, because you've got the science background and you've got this other holistic side, how do you choose when you're coaching people, which way to go down? I mean, you know, as far as are you 50-50 in how you treat people or is the pharmaceutical side a bit more top heavy? Or That was one question I was really looking forward to asking you because how do you know what to pull from with each different person? That's a great question. And to be honest, I always will have my pharmacist lens on things. So the pharmacist lens thankfully gives me a good ability to look at the science and to evaluate what potentially is misinformation and what's not misinformation, which there's a lot of misinformation out there. But in this role, I really am serving as a coach. And the pharmacist piece, um, you know, I do, I can educate and do things like that, but I really serve, you know, people have questions, what, what is this? How does a medication work? But I do not come in and advise on anything related to that. They have a healthcare team to do that. I really step into the role that's needed because they found me. And that is how in the world do I make the changes I want to make to be healthy? And how do I um, work on this mindset so that I can really thrive and, and love my life, autoimmune disease and all. So you don't actually prescribe the, the drug? No. Do you, know? do you um, recommend a drug and then they take it to their physician or do you just not even recommend anything? I don't, I don't really do any recommending of medication. I, um, a lot of people out there talking about some of these natural lifestyle changes may not have the, the background and may not hold the space for people who want to take medications. So sometimes I think it's just this container that holds space for if and when people want to use what conventional medicine can offer us and also say but that's not where i'm stopping and and i'm going to do everything i can as well um, i have some people you know that i work with that have never chosen to take medications and that's their choice and they're very confident in it and so we work on the rest of it you've started uh, autoimmune academy yeah yes it's called autoimmune academy do you feel now that your your legacy on this planet is to help people prevent or, or like prolong their lives and the ones with autoimmune because they're the, they're the ones particularly that you can assist through lived experience. I do. I do. I, I um, still work as a pharmacist right now and have added this uh, hat of, of coach and I can't imagine not doing it. So when you say, is it my legacy? It, it truly is my my mission right now. Um, it really is my mission in life to um, reach as many people as I can and really help love their diagnosis. I, your uh, this podcast and the and the the title really spoke to me because you know if you would have asked me over a decade ago, would you ever be in a place where you can say you accept this diagnosis, let alone love this diagnosis? I would have told you. Absolutely not. I would have told you there is no way. And so I think that is 
the power of what I've experienced on the coachy side of, of investing in somebody to help me see my brain, help me work on that mindset. Cause we hear that all the time. Oh, you know, work on your mindset. And what does that even mean? If we're all given this diagnosis and, you know, picture whatever diagnosis you're given and you get to rate how hard it is, let's say from one to a hundred and pain is very personal. Every hard is personal. So that number you own, you know, nobody is telling you what your number is. And so if you think of that number, you know, in your head, and if you had the ability to, to be given a dial where you can dial up the hardness or dial down the hardness, that, you know, truly is what working on mindset and coaching can give you. So tell me, Amy, do you wear a halo lifestyle choice wise to prevent the symptoms of your MS or do you sort of cut loose a little bit and then suffer the consequences sometimes? love that question. My definition of cut loose may look different than other people's definition of cut loose, but I have my own ways to cut loose. Yes. Yes. So with a very intentional joys that I feel are worth it. An example? Sure. An example would be, um, for the most part, you know, I, I try not to eat too much added sugar, but let's say I'm at the beach and there is in America, there's a place called Jenny's ice cream. They make a coconut milk. So I, I don't do dairy even on splurges, but they make a coconut milk, delicious ice cream. And I'm there with family and, you know, relaxing that hands down is quote unquote worth it. So I really let, I really in myself and with others decide what is worth it, decide what feeds you decide what is a hell yes. And if it's a hell yes, then make room for that. But if it's not a hell yes, let it be a no. And what do you experience if you do just do something a bit naughty? What, what symptoms do you have to deal with that, you know, you willingly and, and knowingly go, okay, that's fine. It was worth it. It's funny you say that, you know, I love the idea that our body is never wrong and it's really, the symptoms are on our side. So we get so angry at our body when it's telling us that it doesn't like something, but but it can be our greatest gift. I don't have many of those. You know, maybe a little a little stomach upset, maybe a little headache, but for the most part, little um, excursions off of my day-to-day don't take me down too much. So you did say one of the last couple of questions I'll ask is you did say that you do love your diagnosis now because of what it's taught you. What are some tips or just some advice for people that are at the beginning of their journey or sort of midway through it and still a bit stuck, what would you sort of say to those people? I think step one is getting an awareness of what thoughts are running through your mind, trying to identify what they are so that you can look at them and question if it's a thought you want to be having. We have 50 to 60,000 thoughts a day. And 95% of them are just recycled from the day before. And so you can imagine how many thoughts are just running in our mind, sentences in our mind that aren't even true, but we've believed them so long, we think they're true. And the example I'll give is, you know, I had a thought when I was first diagnosed that my life would never be as good because I have MS. And that felt true. I mean, and a lot of people with MS may jump in and say that is true. And over time and really questioning it and looking for evidence that that's not true, 
and, you know, practicing a new thought of maybe it's possible my life will be even better because of MS. And that felt really far away 10 years ago and practicing it. And by practicing it, I mean, writing it. The first step to get there though, is what thoughts and what sentences are running on repeat that you may not even be aware of. And there's a lot of ways to do that. You can journal, you can talk with a coach, you can, some people meditate, some people do it through movement, try to capture it and write it down and get it outside your brain so you can really look at it. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. How old are you now? I will be 39 uh, in July. Whippersnapper is what we call you in Australia. Have you heard of that? I've heard of it, but not in terms of in terms of that. I like it. That's what us Australians call uh, young folk now, whippersnappers. I don't know why. I really don't know why. Uh, I haven't been called it for a long time, <laughs> personally. Moving forward, you're just going to manage uh, your symptoms and day by day as they arise and just keep on this path that you're doing holistically. I will put up all the links to anyone that wants to get in touch and see your work, you've got this amazing free guide to decoding food, which is fantastic. I downloaded that myself. I'm going to have a good look at that. Basically, like it's not just people with MS that you're assisting. It's 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 anyone's immunity, anyone with autoimmunes. Anyone with autoimmunity and, and that ingredient guide is such a great place because it teaches you how to read an ingredient label because step one for anything is just awareness and what what potentially is is going into your body with the things we're eating all the time. So it walks you through and helps you, um, you know, no matter what you're going for, it helps you know what's what's going in. Brilliant. Everyone should. I, I'm really looking forward to um, reading it because I'm always vigilantly looking at what's in food. So one more really quick question. Do you have the ability to fatten up your myelin sheaths or is the MS... Does the MS just like attack every part that you would try and build up? There's a lot of research being done in that of rebuilding myelin with um, certain kinds of mushrooms and various other things. There's even some medications in the pipeline. So it is possible. Which mushrooms, just out of interest? It's quite a mix. Um, and lion's mane is, is one that is included, but a lot of the um, mixes that are sold are getting some good evidence for that. And I appreciate that you've got to be careful about what you say, don't say, and what you claim and don't claim. I won't ask you any more leading questions. Thank you, Amy. It's been fantastic. Thanks for uh, your work and... Amy, you're worth it. <laughs> All right. Well, I will give you some feedback when I read the, um, the food guide. Can't wait. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. You've been listening to Lainey on the Love Your Diagnosis podcast. Navigating health can be tricky when you feel like you're alone. And this podcast brings community together to share healing concepts through people's lived experience. Really powerful. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this empowering story of holistic healing. All the information on the guests that are featured on the show and where to find them are in the podcast notes. I honour each and every guest for their courage to share what their journey has been. If you want to hear more podcasts, visit my website, laneychait.com.au and there is a recommended features tab on that website where you can get 
percentages off recommended products that I have taken myself to assist in my healing journey with my brain. Lots of great neurological support from medicinal mushrooms to all sorts of herbs. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening.